The Protect Your Neck Podcast, UFC 243 Breakdown, Picks, Plays, and whatever else comes our way. Let's go to work. Hot air hangs like a dead man from a white oak tree. People sitting on porches thinking how things used to be. Dark night. It's a dark night. Savages. This is the Protect Your Neck Podcast, and I am your host, Dan Tom. Analysts' work you can find over at MMAJunkie.com. And on this here program, the Protect Your Neck Podcast, we break down high-level MMA. That's what we're going to do here today, tonight, whenever you're listening to this. Hopefully it's before the fight. Getting it out my usual about north, just north of 36 hours before the card. Uh, Thursday seems to be the target day, you know, I am trying to get it better in the day, but hey, I haven't been doing those Fridays for you, although by the time this comes out and edited, it, it actually may even be Friday my time, so, uh, well, there's that, but hey, it, 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 is, a, it is a service, albeit a free one, uh, and, and a service I intend to keep it again, kind of like I've been trying to get back to, back into that short and sweet groove, um, Got some good news today. Uh, I'm not dying, albeit uh, I, I do have uh, something else that you know science seems to be stumped on, which is which is always great. That's the extent I'll get into it. There's the update. I am happy to be here. I'm happy to be talking to you guys about some fights. We are gonna quickly be recapping Bellator 227, 228. I mean, quickly on those, by the way, real quick. And uh, we will be uh, recapping UFC Copenhagen as well. How we did there. Got the notes. Got everything already queued. So don't you worry, but in case you still don't want to sh- sit through the short and sweet version, kind of like my breakdowns you could find over at MMAJunkie.com. Try to keep things sectioned out for you so you don't have to listen to me, which believe me, I don't, don't take offense. I don't blame you. Uh, but if you do want to go that deep, that's awesome. That's what I'm here for. That's kind of what I what I try to do, uh, at least offer you. And, uh, again, timestamps if you want to just jump forward straight to the breakdown, or if you want to even keep it shorter than that, you can always, of course, go to the picks and plays at the very end. Uh, no, I'm not on speed, although I did have, actually, maybe I am because, uh, you know, I've been off coffee for like two months. I had a cup earlier today. I did. I just beat the before 5 p.m., but to be honest, it was in one of those nice and warm mugs. I was driving around for some errands, so, uh... Might have finished the the last bit at like 6 p.m. So, yeah, maybe I'm a little wired. Not going to lie. Also trying to compensate because, again, it is late. I'm only on a couple hours of sleep. Uh, again, kind of crazy weeks, but good weeks. So we're going to get right into it, folks. Uh, don't you worry. We're going to start with uh, – we'll get to the shouts right after these recaps. Uh, yeah, like there's this triple broadcast or whatever it was, right, for Bellator G27. Um, some deceptively uh, fun fights. I didn't go back to watch the uh, Franz Malambo versus Dominic Whitting, which was kind of the sleeper there that I'll point out. Um, Brandon Gertz versus John Tuck is listed, but that didn't happen, right? Kiefer Crosby, yeah, defeated uh, Hugo Pereira, Liam McCourt, defeated Kerry Hughes. Uh, Benson Henderson defeated Miles Jury, I'm going to say there. Uh, Peter Queeley defeated Ryan Scope. Uh, yeah, it was great. Neither is a reason. I don't know if I really said it on the podcast too much, but I just had a feeling to stay away from Scope because I just felt like it was going to be an ugly fight and that, you know, Scope should have the advantage. I'm going to pick him, but, 
Quilly could make it ugly. Um, and uh, he did, and he kind of reminded me of uh, what uh, Connor did to Chad Mendez there. Uh, you know, he he, he know, they know when to attack the body. Real smart, you know, uh, back to the picking up the pack reference that the late great Robert Fall has passed down to many of his students. One of my favorite analogies uh, I got from him and actually expanded upon with him and, and would talk to him about it. He'd say, no matter, uh, you know, all packs vary how heavy they are, depending on what you're trying to do, the move, in other words. And how far you can carry them will vary, depending on who is trying to do the move, right? And uh, how heavy the proverbial pack is. Um, but eventually, they do have to do what? They have to put down the pack. And the beautiful part about that is, I like that because I, I love feeling when people put down the pack, because that's when... Someone who's not really explosive or I'm not trying to go athlete for athlete with a guy. That's when I will explode, when I feel like I put down the pack, you know. He goes for a triangle that thinks it's there. I know the triangle's not there. I let him burn out on it. And as soon as he realizes it, uh, precious uh, seconds to maybe even, a, a, you know, close to a minute later. And they, ah, oh, they exhale like, ah, oh, fuck, I don't got this. And you just have that easy pass, but then you can kind of take it to mount and really go fast on them because they're just having to take that beat. And that's where the tortoise catches up to the proverbial hare. Uh, that's what uh, Queely did, and uh, Scope went down fast. Um, yeah, it's funny, I was watching back on some stuff, and uh, I don't know if I said last week, but uh, I was watching those old Tough, tough Things, uh, Tough uh, series. Uh, yeah, it was probably because of the Saul Rogers, which we'll get to here in a second. And I was, you know, Connor was actually just really surprisingly good corner, man. Like the things he was saying and, and like the instruction that he was giving, like he's actually giving surprising technical instruction. And, you know, that's also the mark where he was kind of going off the rails because he wanted a tough right after that Mendez fight. I just said it at UFC 189. But uh, just kind of funny things you forget, you know, because we're so polarized by the fucking stupidness that he does now. But it, underrated underrated things that he did there. Uh, Michael Page defeated Richard, uh, Richard Kiley. Um, I guess more of the story of that is what a uh, freaking Dan Mergliata's, uh, oof, uh, Tan Dan, man, I like Tan Dan, but then he just, you know, uh, I don't know, man, he's just really getting, he, he did this too, it was another gentleman who was, uh, oh, was it Greg Hardy, there we go, yeah, it was Greg Hardy, and I guess people didn't really jump on him, Tan Dan, for showing his expression and kind of breaking professionalism there, because Greg Hardy is not exactly your sympathetic character, but whether it's Greg Hardy or whether it's Michael Page, who, you know, even for Michael Page, yeah, was not acting, you know, the greatest. Um, it's uh, it's it's hard. You really got to. And I know I'm. this is the pot calling the kettle black because I really got to be more professional. You know, I wonder why I don't, uh, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> get called up for commentary gigs or uh, have any sponsors on the show or many, many other things. I wonder how many things just me being so freaking me let's just say to put it nicely uh, you know does me a disservice as much as it makes me unique and whatever reason draws you fucking crazies here thank you by the way for listening but yeah uh so it's pot calling the kettle black but yeah it's hard to defend uh, uh big dan was not being professional and then uh i didn't realize it was, you know composer was tweeting or something i guess big dan's a maga guy too which you know not speaking of not making yourself a sympathetic character but this isn't a politics show and i could really care less to be honest um, anyways, James Gallagher, uh, and does his thing, Cal, uh, not Cal, I don't know what the fuck, uh, <laughs> um, Roman Salazar, yeah, guillotine, Bellator 220 happens the next night, I'm gonna go out of kind of symmetrical order, obviously, Copenhagen happened before, I just wanna blow through that, uh, Gary, 
bout orders on Bellator, right? Uh, Musasi defeats Machida by split decision. Just kind of uninspiring bout. Speaking of uninspiring bout, Pitbull defeats Archuleta, which wasn't crazy at all. I did not feel good about picking Archuleta, uh, folks, uh, despite what the headline said. <laughs> Although when I saw the headline, I'm like, okay, no, I know my pick's going to be wrong now. And, uh, and, and, and uh, props to the gentleman who came at me, but then... Uh, was really respectful to my, uh, my. I kept calm. I explained. I explained to him that, that uh, he should actually read the article to get the writer's point of view, not just a headline. Uh, people don't realize that, and it's okay. I didn't realize that for some time. You know, granted, it was many years ago. But anyways, um, but yeah, I will say though, no, it's it's definitely extra embarrassing when you just get you know a popular pick wrong, pick against a popular guy, and then. Again, people look great, and you shut him down. And I don't want to take anything away from what he did, but it was not an inspiring performance from Archuleta. Like they just a shell it looked at, just in a shell, just tasted what he didn't like, and just oof, it was, it was it was hard to watch. It was just you knew it was done with the first round. It was just we didn't need to watch the rest of the four rounds. They're good on Pitbull though. Like I'm a fan, believe it or not. I know crazy folks. You can actually pick against someone and like still be a fan of them. AJ McKee defeated Georgie Harakhanian by TKO. That was ridiculously fast. Set a record there. Uh, good on McKee. Caldwell defeated Henry Corrales. Wanted to pick Corrales, but that's what I was afraid was going to happen. Don't know why I went against my my guts there and, and picked Saul Rogers against Vichel. Maybe because of just the bias of studying these guys and doing profiles and uh, whatnot. But uh, but yeah, he just couldn't get that takedown game going, and uh, it's funny I compared Saul Rogers to Kevin Lee in my uh, breakdown. You know, he even did like kind of like and another. I love Kevin, but you know, you get that very similar skanky, stanky leg like uh, when the Barboza fight and and whatnot, and uh, it's like Jesus Christ, you're right, you're right. Um, and yeah, not, I'm not going to really talk about the undercard there. Uh, UFC Copenhagen. Short notes is we went eight and five in picks overall, uh, two and one, two and one in straight plays. You sure about that? You sure it wasn't two and zero? Oh? Son of a bitch! What in the hell, Bobby? Oh yeah, round triggers in there. Forgot about that. Two and one in pick uh, straight plays, and then one and two in the uh, pile pieces. Um. Just touch on that real quick. What in the hell? Bobby? Uh, Jared uh, Cannonier, like I said last time, the way he's leg kicking and just going through people is Jared Cannon pants, man, because he's on fire. Uh, he's in the hot seat for sure. Um, man. Yeah, baby. Cannon pants. Cannonier, dude. He's, he, he's a hard guy not to root for. And he's the fucking master of the universe. Master of the fucking universe. I might have to sneak that into my next breakdown. Like, you know, I put uh, Undefeated in the Streets for Jorge Masvidal. I may have to hook Cannonier up, man. I, he's fucking walking around with crystals and stuff. Like, this dude is just... I, I, I love it. I love the genuineness. I love this, the reforming himself and changing his lifestyles and moving down in weight, moving states. Just, man, that's just, it's just crazy. So, uh, massive props to him. And, you know, again, speaking of, like, fights you could just tell was aforementioned conclusion, you could tell her man's like, uh-oh, I saw old Jack again. He didn't seem stable. It wasn't the confident Jack. And uh, once he couldn't get the takedowns, he kind of fell apart from there. Again, taking nothing away from Cannoneer, because Cannoneer is just fucking blasting dudes, especially 
<laughs> they blasted dudes, especially in the lower half. But I'm phrasing, phrasing. Uh, but again, you know, back to those leg kicks. Like he's just, he's he's blasted dudes with those as well. Mach uh, und Madsen. I need some water. Uh, yes, I would like some water first, of course. Um, it was a good performance against Danilo, but it was uh, very. Uh, I just, I'm here in Denmark, and I want some water. <laughs> there we go. Hey, it's not a bad Marco Manson if I say so myself, right? All right, but yes, Danilo Bellowardo. Break us through this finishing move, Mark. I drank him like water. We are in Denmark. Yes, Mark, we covered that. <laughs> Somebody give him some water. <laughs> this is water time. God, I need to stop. I'm going to fucking be talking like that the rest of the night now. God damn it, Dan. Uh, Gilbert. <laughs> no, uh, sorry. <laughs> Gunnar Nelson. Uh, I am cute love. I defeated my boy Kalu. I told you not to follow me off that cliff. I did warn you, and I did state my bias. Again, I can't defend all my bad picks, people. I mean, that's just impossible. But I defended this one. <laughs> uh, glad Kalu's all right. I think this one, he seemed to take this a lot easier. And it seemed like a lot easier one to take um, than the Johnny Walker loss. That's for damn sure. You know, I am cute love. just came out and finally fought, fought smart. The Maldonian... Uh, the Maldonian uh, Magma Man. Uh, shout out to the MMA Analysis Podcast. Uh, OSP defeated Michal Oleksajk. Uh Yeah, man, that was fucking oh Jesus. Yeah, I was on uh, I was on Michal there, and uh, it's close to me. Um, straight play though hit Nicholas Dalby catch. Defeated Alex Oliveira by unanimous decision. Bad refing there. Um, definitely can argue easily that it costed Alex Oliveira the fight, although you can't not, you know, talk about the other. There were two incidents, but one more relevant. Uh, luckily, it wasn't not as effective as the one that affected Alex Oliveira because it was at the end of round two, whereas there was still much more portion to seal the round in round three. That's exactly what Nicholas Dalby did. But again, hey, speaking of one and two and props, that round three prop almost cashed it and not. I mean, I had, I had... Shout out Derek Love. I had at Derek Love ready to ready to tweet out and give him give him some some do daps for the, the the Derek Love round three parlay hit hitting it, or prop hitting then but uh, but yeah no it didn't hit but the straight play did though um, so and it's hard not to be happy for a guy like uh, Dalby and Alex Oliveira for as much kids as he makes as much as he makes us laugh he's got some uh, you know got some other, he's got some other issues he's got to iron out all right John Phillips came through how about that huh. Told you guys again. I don't know why this. It's the Dovsky that's getting this guy so much goddamn respect. He's Macedonian, folks. Nothing wrong with Macedonian. One of my, one of my best friends, my guitar player, is Macedonian. Alex Volkanovsky is a badass Macedonian, but he's Alexander the Great the, in Australia with the rugby and the wrestling and all that. And Alan Amadovsky has nothing. He has fights and knockouts and no experience in those knockouts against cans. And I don't understand why he's gotten so much respect as underdogs or favorites. Anyways. Sorry, I, it's when you actually have a read-write, it just it baffles me. Uh, Mahmoud Miradov came through. He, he he got rid of that uh, that twitch that I was like harping about, like touching his groin against Alessio Di Chirico. Passionate Italian there. Ismail Nardiev defeated... CR Badrzada. My boy, John John Rico's boy. Chikachikadze! Chika! 
Ah! Defeated Brandon Davis via split decision. Originally reported as a draw there. Uh, but I, I scored it for Chikatsi. Uh, and I probably should have stuck with my initial uh, lean of Chikatsi. And uh, grats to Chikatsi. Lena Landsberg defeated Macy Chesson. Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah, I, I ate my own uh, dick on this one too, folks. I pardon my French, but you're an asshole. Uh, but, uh, yeah, oh, God, that was terrible. Yeah, I had a parlay, like I said, with the Bellator. The only thing I really had going with the Bellator, I had a... Uh, I had a... Uh, AJ McKee, Benson, Gallagher, and uh, Macy Chesson uh, for a nice uh, four-legger at plus money, one five four, I believe. And, uh, yeah, that went down. And so did uh, Chesson inside the distance, which was the last prop there. But props to Lena Landsberg, and that's how I was, you know, you're just like, uh, I think uh, I think I saw a funny tweet there by, by Z, probably like, oh, people, they got a GIF, uh, people like who bet Kieson or, or Mikhail, but for me it was for, for uh, Kieson, it was just, all I could hear in my head is just Lena, I could picture this Lena Landsberg with her messed up face and big smile. <laughs> Lena Landsberg and oh, and I, I don't know why I just kept hearing that in my head and I'm like oh you stupid idiot Dan why did you place money on this fucking nonsense you listen to, you should have listened to yourself just take your own advice do as I say not as I do <laughs> Mark Diakisi defeated Lando Venata was right on that one although I really wanted to pick Venata Jack Shore defeated Noelle, Noelle, Hernandez, and he got the uh, got that submission, which I, I don't know if I put on here, but I ended up playing in that hit, so that was nice. All righty then, uh, I did not get logged out, so hopefully I did not take that long, 17 minutes. Again, time stops, time stamps. Uh, that concludes that, just a couple quick shots. Uh, some, some dude, uh, I can see he was in town or not, but I... I want to shout, shout out Robin Black. Uh, it was always good seeing him, albeit briefly. Um, uh, also, uh, was 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 really great. They had the, the band back together. Shout out again to, to, to Gorgeous George. They, him and Goes, uh, met in the studio, knocked uh, some breakdown videos for uh, UFC 243, which we're about to break down here. And uh, they also let me be on their show, Triple G Show, which is, on, again, on Patreon if you need to get more, aside from the normal feed, which, again, you get on iTunes, your normal places for the MMA Junkie Radio Show two days a week. But for more of them, we hit that Triple G Show, Gorgeous George and Ghost Show on Patreon. I uh, was on one of their episodes this week, and that was just awesome, man. It was great to have the band get back together, and it's much easier to banter when you have, uh, you know, uh, people to bounce off of. Uh, just reminds me why I try to talk less on here. Also saw my boy Blue. Blue, you're my boy. Buffalo Blue, the the fantasy uh, the fantasy playing master. You reminded me, by the way. I, I got to talk more fantasy. It's tough. I try to remember that. And uh, speaking of just playing games on a degenerate level, but uh, he's doing it. He's been, he's been doing it for, for you know for one of the longest. He's been on this podcast before. But I just want to give a shout out to At Fight Oz Nikolikis. Uh, He's on that on the line show. I thought it was Bisping. I don't know if they shuffled it because Bisping's got like what other duties now and more more commentating. So they got my my, my dude Brendan Fitz doing that over there uh, with Gianni the Greek. The guys you guy you you, you you all love to poke, uh, but uh, you can't poke at uh, Nikolikis, man. That guy is the he's a real one. Uh, just from that little clip that I saw from this week, uh, adds a great dynamic. Again, I, I I shamefully haven't watched the show. I try not to watch stuff anyways. Um, 
definitely before but even after it's a very limited list if i ever listen to reference points but uh i, I may have to start uh checking that out more either way i just want to give nick as a shout out fan, fan of that dude over there at uh, oddsbreaker all right folks we're, we're getting started on the breakdown now we're going to go from top to bottom as per usual recap picks and plays at the end melbourne australia for usc 243 pay-per-view it's a bit light but man the top ones were insane i literally spent like Three. I mean, again, uh, not, not going to get into it, but it just was kind of a crazy three or four days. A lot of lot of breakup in there with uh, you know, some a lot of footage was being watched from waiting rooms and, and veterinary offices and medical offices. But uh, so that was part of the reason. But also, I just went balls deep. I watched all the kickboxing I could on Israel, uh, all his MMA fights again. Uh, ran the comb back through Whitaker because again, he hasn't he hasn't fought much. Uh, and even though I was able to write a breakdown and run the comb through him for that Gastelum fight, that fight didn't happen, so out of sight, out of mind. Gastelum uh, fought once since, but again, you're not, there was no fight to go off of Whitaker, so I haven't really had to go th- through him much. So I, I went super deep, took about three or four days to get through the footage and get everything written and turned in. Um, and everybody was kind of traveling. It was a crazy week uh, with Junkie anyways, so... It's all good, baby. It's all good. We got it up in there posted. If I miss anything, as I tend to do. But uh, I'll try to go through the card rather fast. But I will uh, wax on some points on this one that I do hit on the breakdown. Essentially, it's hard to be confident right now. We got Israel Adesanya, who opened as the underdog. Money came in on him because he shouldn't have been open that wide. And, again, it's a pick It's a pick and fight in my eyes. And... No matter who you have to be like, oh, this is easy to pick or this is easily what's going to happen, like, relax. This is one of the most highly competitive fights in respect to both these guys. Um, but, uh, but, but yeah, money has come in, and I, I don't even disagree with the line now where we have Adesanya minus 120 with a comeback on Whitaker plus 100, which, boy, was tempting. Although, again, I'm, I'm saying stay away from this fight. Drink your water. You good boy. Sorry, Benjamin's going to drink some water. He hasn't been drinking his water much, so I'm happy he's doing it. So I'm going to I'm gonna praise him. you got to praise him. Good boy. That's a good boy. Drink your water. Uh, don't worry, folks. That's, 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 uh, that's it. As I'm talking about the dog, the dog drinks water, right? I think he seconds. He seconds that emotion. If you feel like... Okay, you good boy. All right, and um, yeah, so... No, but uh, honestly, I'm not, I'm not confident in my pick here. And uh, I was leaning toward Adesanya for a good portion, but I kind of felt like I was bouncing back and forth. And uh, ultimately, you know, it, it's not a confident pick, but I, I, official pick is Whitaker by decision with the door open that he could surprise on the feet. Uh, there are a couple openings, which I'll talk about in the second uh, specifically, that he can hit on paper one of them he he shows to throw much more the other it's kind of just inherent in his game so we'll see uh but both points uh, are things that that adesanya has been oh you go boy all right consistently hit uh and i dare say struggle with it's hard to say he struggled with anything because he's so damn talented he's not lost in mma and even a lot of his kickboxing fights folks he's uh that he's lost, I should say, which are very few. You can make arguments like the fight before uh, it was a title fight before he got knocked out by Alex Pereira. Like I scored that for him. I recently watched that. I scored that before and before. And then when I rewatched it this time around, it was the same thing. Then he has the rematch with Alex Pereira because they went to a decision uh, the time before that. Um, 
and I, it, was, it was, you know, he didn't blow him out per se, but it was, it was fairly competitive. I mean, that forward, aggressive, almost, you know, Brazilian style or Dutch style, both seem to be effective. That kind of aggressive pressuring style of Muay Thai. But the the, the rematch, though, Izzy is actually uh, beating him, and you could argue the ref kind of saved him with a mouthpiece put in or a count when uh, he was getting tagged on. Um, but again, it's kickboxing and not MMA, so it was kind of within that realm. Though it was also within the realm of Brazil, uh, I'll say that. Um, yeah, but Izzy was doing really well, and then Pajeda just recovers and comes out in a bat out of hell the next round, and uh, knocks Izzy out mid combination. But Izzy was in the southpaw stance, and uh, when Israel was in the southpaw stance, uh, whenever he switched southpaw against Anderson Silva, which wasn't that often because. Like a lot of switch dance fighters, like Leo Machida, too, as we saw with uh, Adesanya, and um, you know, and Silva and Gastelum, is they'll prefer even if they like to fight southpaw, they will prefer to fight uh, open stance. They'll go right-handed, uh, which is not unusual for Adesanya as much as it was Machida, but Machida would do it much more when he fought uh, someone who actually was a southpaw, because southpaws don't like that same stance. Uh, if you're a switch dance fighter or a southpaw fighter. You are kind of celebrating in your own head that you, you slash with with your style the fact that you can fight from so comfortably from the open stance and it's so inherent for you, hence why you're doing it in the first place. You like to keep that advantage, so um, you'll see Izzy go orthodox more. He did it much more against Kelvin, and maybe it's kind of to the point that I'm trying my best to describe without losing you guys here, uh, which I shouldn't if you read the breakdown and read my breakdown before because. The, the, the point got proven, which was in the Anderson Silva fight. Anytime Izzy switched to southpaw, that's when Anderson had his best moments, hitting him with those jabs, looking the lead hand. Uh, we saw Kelvin do the same thing with the lead hand early, and he got knocked down on Izzy. Um, the early ones in the first round or second round, I believe, right? He he taxes him twice within that round, I believe, knocking him down. I want to say in one of them. And. Uh, then it's like Izzy, Izzy wises up because, again, he's so such a good striker, such a good adjuster. He knows what's going on in there. Um, he stays composed and would obviously prove himself in the fifth round. It just was amazing, right? Such an amazing fight, such an amazing performance, proving all the critics, everything you want to say. Uh, it's been said. I agree. But just, again, being picking apart with a critical eye to kind of uh, talk about this point, finish talking about this point, I should say. Um it was any time he went to that southpaw stance. Uh, so kind of proving that point. So, uh, you know, we, we, we saw, granted, uh, Darren Till was an inherent southpaw, so he didn't go to the southpaw stance. He stays there. But Jorge Masvidal went to his southpaw stance, and granted, Jorge Masvidal does a different variation of a drop step slash drop shift. He did more of a... Uh, of a it was the opposite stance for him, but he stayed in his southpaw stance and kind of just did more of a um, a drop step. But Whitaker's is just so weird, and it really is so perfect in that Brad Tavares knockout, right, where he, he levers off of those rear front kicks and will lever in overhand right shots that kind of, you know, allow him to dart and take a different angle. Or he'll do it like the Tavares fight where he'll go off that rear front kick and then left hook come forward. Um Again, you don't have to be a southpaw like Gastelum or Silva did to find success because the guy that actually knocked him out and beat him, Alex Pereira, was a 
Orthodox fighter, completely different body type, completely different skill set than Robert Whitaker. Better striker than Robert Whitaker. I'm not making an apples to apples comparison. But as far as people saying, oh, well, what if it was the Southpaw stance that made it possible? Maybe it has to be Southpaw versus Southpaw because I, I, I cited not just in the podcast a second ago, but in my article, the, the Masvidal Darren Till fight. Um, you don't have to be. You know, you could be an orthodox fighter. Um, again, who shifts to Southpaw like Masvidal did, and Whitaker's not beyond doing so, especially within combination. And, uh, again, Alex Pajeda was able to do it with the left hook, which just happens to be Bobby Nux's best punch. Now, the other point was, which is even a little more concrete, I would argue, was the time that hurt he got dropped or hurt more. Um, I believe it was round four toward the end, right? Toward the last half of the round. Uh, Israel Adesanya did. It was a head kick from uh, Gaslam. And he did, I call it a same side head kick, um... It's hard to find a, a name that's mutually agreed upon, uh, but uh, I call it the same side head kick because the head kick comes off of the same side as the punch, which Muay Thai kickboxing, basic American kickboxing, kickboxing instituted in and around MMA for many a years was just left, right, left, right, left, right, left, right. Or if it was left, left, right, it was something real basic because it was jab, jab, cross. It was Real fucking vanilla shit. So guys that came from traditional martial arts like me were like, what the fuck you guys making it so easy to guess the patterns? Like, yeah, of course the fucking, oh, you're going to switch, oh, when you throw a switch kick, you're going to change your stance to let them know what the fuck you're loading up for. Like, you know what I'm saying? So you got to find setups and, and, and ways to kind of uh, mesh it around, you know? Um, I prefer more the over-the-shoulder approach like Wonder Boy, but I'm also a camp karate black belt, so I have a little bit of a bias toward that style, obviously. That said, you know, I, I really love the Thai style kicking and uh, obviously uh, all of its benefits. But again, speaking, I'm not just trying to talk about my experiences because back to the point here, uh, Robert Whitaker comes from traditional martial arts, but also uh, obviously no stranger to Muay Thai. Not only did he do camps from TriStar folks, I believe it was Tiger Muay Thai, uh, either that or Phuket even possibly as well. But uh, he he would do some camps in Thailand as well. Robert Whitaker did, uh, I believe, even before the one before his middleweight run. Was, spent some time in Thailand before he fought. Clint Headbutter, Headbutter Heather, Heather, Clint Headbutter Heather. I love Clint. I love saying that that name, Clint Hesser. Jesus, looks like uh, Clint Hesser looks like like, like, like uh, what's, what was that fucking CBK or something? It was like I think Tupac was in it. It was. I don't know. I remember my early blockbuster days. Someone, someone can hit me with that gangster movie. Um, but yeah, anyways. Sorry, I thought that was the last one, folks. I'm sorry. Uh, but yeah, um, Whitaker, no stranger to the Muay Thai as well. And uh, speaking of Muay Thai fighters who kind of do it, Cerrone was really good at at, at uh, doing it where he throws the cross and, you know, it gets you to parry outwards and the head kick comes up. Obviously, Anthony Pettis can do it really well. And I didn't really think, I never really seen Gastelum do it that well. But of course, the one time he really does a head kick that well, he does it on Adesanya of all people, right? Um, and he does it from a southpaw stance. Now, this wasn't a coincidence. For whatever reason, that, that kick has play on Adesanya, probably because I'm guessing he is a tall guy. So naturally, tall, tall fighters, no matter how good they are, going to have trouble hiding their head, right? But because they're so tall, they're hard to hit, and they could do stuff that maybe they're not supposed to do, like kind of fade straight backwards like a Stefan Struve. Now, Adesanya is obviously too technical of a striker for that, and Eugene Behrman would, you know, 
have probably has scolded, uh, long scolded those habits out of Adesanya for years and years now. To where obviously Adesanya not just angles like he should off off at 45s, but will shift his stance in the process, setting slash walking in his opposition into counters, which could very very well happen here. Believe me. Bobby Knuckles could be caught in space without a door to left back in. You know, like I said in my breakdown, kind of my makeshift quote of, a, it's always like it's the last day of summer and I'm left out with the court without the door to get back in. Georgia, Otis Phil. <laughs> hey, it wasn't about George Young, was it? Sorry, Dan. Get to the fucking breakdown, Dan. All right, sorry. Sorry. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, back to the point. Um, it, it, it really wasn't a coincidence because it maybe not a coincidence because not only tall guys, you know, it's harder to hide their head, but because he's moving in the angle, if you throw that first shot and you get him to kind of angle off, you can kind of corral and sweep with a sweeping shot like a head kick. Uh, and in fact, going back and watching Israel to science kickboxing matches, those shots would hit him, um, hit him there too, particularly in one of his losses that people don't talk about against, uh, who was it, Verlinden? Is it Rico Verlinden? I believe it's Verlinden is the last name, though. It was a glory fight. And uh, I forget Duke Rufus, but Duke Rufus had a different name for it, which was like a blindside head kick or something, which is another another fine name. And I'd, I'd go with Duke uh, over me uh, on pretty much anything, folks. So I'm definitely not arguing with the man, but I, I, I really loved his commentary here. So I'm agreeing with him. And, um, you know, he was talking about how it was finding success. And granted, Verlinden, again, it's a complete different fighter. Verlinden was coming down from like a heavyweight or light heavyweight. Uh, I think he even fought at both. And he was a big, uh, tall uh, guy, longer than uh, uh, Whitaker. Uh, and, uh, you know, he was almost as tall as uh, Adesanya. So, I mean, you know, so he's a couple inches taller than Whitaker, right? For sure. But the point was not only was the technique landing, although this this man was taller and granted more of a kickboxing experience, he was a bit of a slower guy. He wasn't the most athletic guy at all um, and was pretty lurchy uh, with that technique in particular. But that technique in particular was working for him really well and helping him punctuate and uh, win those rounds. Uh, so this isn't this is something that's been present in both Adesanya and kickboxing, MMA, early and recently, and that is one of Whitaker's best kicks. Uh, that's when he's really hurt guys like the Derek Brunsons of the world, Jacare Souza. Uh, even in that round that a lot of people should have thought was a 10-8. I scored a 10-8, by the way. You are uh, Romero, uh, Whitaker two round five. But the reason why it wasn't 10-8 in round three because duration. And Whitaker landed like three flush elbows uh, and that flush head kick. I mean, Romero ate it and kept walking like a zombie. But, I mean... Uh, Whitaker was doing some 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 damage in, uh, himself uh, as well in that round, um, and again that's just a, that's the kick that that, that Whitaker's just kind of consistently landed. So I mean, leave some room to be surprised on the feet. Uh, you know, his coach has been talking about wrestling and whatnot. I don't know if he's going to wrestle or not. Um, I I. Uh, 
It was interesting, though. Like, I, I knew the Commonwealth game. He won the qualifier, and he couldn't represent his country because of UFC obligations. But I didn't know that he also won the Australian Wrestling National Championships gold medal. And that was at 97 kgs. Forgive me if I'm getting at that wrong. But essentially, what he, he wanted at was at 213 pounds uh, was what Robert Whitaker was wrestling. So he was wrestling guys above light heavyweight when he, when he qualified and won gold for whatever that's worth. Um, so again, you know, bigger guys, you know, he's looking bigger himself. At least that's what people are saying, but I don't really see it. I think he already made that size jump, man. He already looked ripped, uh, for the last couple of years now. I just think he doesn't fight much and we all have recency bias and that's fine. That's natural. But not only do we have recency bias, most of us don't go back and watch the footage and not all of us have exactly the same level of understanding. I'll just leave it at that. So what I'm seeing is a lot of kind of unfair, like, uh, just like from even just stuff that's just like, he's always been that ripped to like, uh, uh, everyone's harping on the health stuff. And, uh, I know it sounds like I'm being very pro but I'm going to tie it to Adesanya here and what the probable outcome and a point that I feel like Adesanya supporters should be holding on to that actually ties in all this folks. So it's going somewhere. Uh, and then the, the rest of the breakdown will be will be much shorter than this fight, I promise you. Um, but you know, I think that I think that, uh, I, think that I, I think that. Sorry, you're talking about wrestling, wrestling, wrestling. But uh, but yeah, I'm I'm interested to see. I think that that the coach probably was trying to be clever. And uh, it'll look much better in retrospect if he goes out there and kind of does his own version of GSP because we don't know where his offensive wrestling is at. And this is where the stats can mislead you. If you're someone who goes back and just looks at stats and just shows the numbers, and be like, oh, well, he doesn't get takedowns much. He's only gotten this many takedowns since you know in, in this many years or since uh, he's been at middleweight or his own percentage is only at you know this or whatever that UFC.com says and whatever. And that's all fine. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. I, I, I use stats, but you got to be careful if you make your arguments or hang your hats on them because they only represent part of the picture. Um, is because you got to look at his opponents. Jacare Souza trying to take him down. Yo Romero, wrestler. Kelvin uh, Gastelum, who we didn't uh, actually have to face. Um... Even Clint Hester, by the first exchange, was trying to take him down. Guys who normally weren't wrestlers were trying to wrestle him. Like, there really wasn't a call to really wrestle in a lot of these fights. Like, Rafael Natal, a credential Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt. Enzo Gracie. Yeah, I mean, you know, like, these were his matchups. So, I don't... I don't, uh... Sorry, make sure I'm still going good. I don't, I don't, I don't agree with, um... I don't agree with uh, looking at the stats too heavily there. You know, we just don't know. Uh, if he wrestles, I think it could help him secure some rounds. I think that for as better of a wrestler Gastelum is, um, I think that Robert Whitaker's control game is much is uh, is much better because uh, Gastelum's more of a scrambler, whether he's defensively or offensively, whereas Robert Whitaker, as we saw the Uriah Hall fight, which was a, a good... You know, obviously the we'll get to the Stephen Thompson fight here in, in just a second, but uh, the Uriah Hall fight's a good analog because uh, you know you look at it and like that was another fight where it's like okay, he just pressure, pressure, pressure. Like he wasn't playing on the outside like he was with Yoel. Um, he was pressuring and then he was going for takedowns when they were there, but just clinching him and just bullying him against the fence. 
Uh, I, I actually think it's going to look more like that time when, you know, the last time he was at that stadium, actually, I, oddly enough, right? I think it's going to be a very similar game plan, except now he's a much better wrestler. And he's also earned a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt in that time uh, under a Gracie school and affiliated school slash instructor, mind you. So uh, he didn't pull out of a Cracker Jack box. Now, does that make him Damian fucking Maya? No. But I do feel like there's gonna he's gonna out of sign could be under savvier controls than he than a Marvin Vittori. No offense, I love Marvin Vittori, who's a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu brown belt underrated grappler himself. Uh, despite him being from a place like Italy where it's not known. He's training out there with Kings MMA, obviously, here in the States. But yeah, it's it's going to be a different uh, level with Whitaker. I, I am more confident to say that if, and again, it's a big if if he gets it down, because if he doesn't, this could look like the Thompson fight very much. They're different fighters, but Thompson does very similar things. He keeps his right hand at the ready from Orthodox like uh, Izzy, although they both whip it differently. It, it, Izzy whips it more, I should say, and uh, from a kind of... Um, not an overhand cross, like more of a hooking cross. He whips it as a hooking cross and an uppercut with uh, Izzy, whereas Thompson, he'll do the uppercut as well, but it's just they're more kind of like, they're flowy. They're flowy and intercepty. Uh, if that's even a word here. But uh, adjusting my screens here. Pardon me. But yeah, um, he's kind of more more that way about it and uh, more more down the p- down the pipe. And they both would get real down the pipe as they will shift off to their left in the southpaw stance and shoot him down the pipe. Uh, both counters from the rear have troubled Whitaker. Whitaker has also had trouble with low kicks from Mafael Natal tie kicks to the Yoel Romero front, you know, kind of Jackson Wink style kicks. So for Izzy, uh, you're going to look for those to, to win him the fight here. It's going to be Izzy's counters from the rear and leg kicks. And if he gets those going, God help Whitaker. He gets stuck outside without a door to get back in. Again, very probable. The odds say so. I don't disagree with Izzy's the favorite, folks. I don't feel great about my Whitaker pick. But just seeing him so overlooked for a guy that's been champion, and even before this, people giving him shit, right? The pulling out with the... Uh, Pulling out uh, last minute, like he, you know, like like he wanted to, like what it, you know, what after having to overcome infection, depression, and doing a one time, like he, you know, like yeah, he's really gonna get all the way to the dance. People questioning him, him, and people forget that he was the guy facing all the people that no one else wanted to face. You Romero twice, Jocker Souza, who should have got a title shot then, and how many times before, and how many times in Bisping and Romero, bit, 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 you know, Bisping. Uh, Dodge that bullet of Jacare and Romero. How many times did, you know, Weidman uh, dodge Jacare as the champ, right? Not saying Weidman was dodging him, but I'm just saying he, like, you know, fortuitously just didn't end up fighting him, I should say, right? Um, some water here, sorry. And it was Bobby Knuckles who was just an underdog since pretty much his first middleweight fight. Just always underdog. Underdog here, under here, here Saturday night. And what what what's bothersome most is not only that you could say the flip side about his time now, and, and not only do people not give him credit for that for one, but for two, you could play the flip side of the time off, which I do think that now enough time has gone by where it's good. It's good he had that time off from the Romero. That should squash these. Oh, the Romero war is not enough time off, and uh, this or that. Uh, now he's had that. Now he's had that time off, and he's rested. Whereas Adesanya had five fights within a year. This is insane. Um, five fights within a year, which is insane, and then just months later has a five-round war. 
And it's been six months since then, which isn't bad. It's the minimum you like to see from a knockout loss or a war. I don't want to see a guy before six months, but it's still it's still tight right on the border there. It's still pushing it, and he's pushing it. And like with Cerrone or just like in MMA, what goes up must come down. There's no biological free rides. You can't stay undefeated forever and um, if you fight long enough. And um, Adesanya is really pushing the envelope. And third and lastly is what's upsetting the most is if you're an Adesanya supporter, you should be giving credit and saying the sky is blue. You shouldn't be harping on unfair intangibles that you can't prove and judging by how, again, the same people saying how he's ripped in this and that. I don't think he's coming into this fight uh, injured and still from the Romero fight or whatever this like fucking narrative that's just been beat to shit because it's disrespectful to your guy. It's disrespectful to Israel Adesanya, who, again, is probably going to win if 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 I, if 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 I had to put the smart money on it or look where the smart money was went right people are favoring him to win and that ain't crazy i don't feel good about my Whitaker pick at all and i i don't i don't think you should be feel good either way that's just my opinion but for what it's worth i don't feel good about my Whitaker pick man it's a crazy fight it's the hardest fight for me to call i i said on twitter but it's disrespectful to your guy and it's disrespectful to Israel Adesanya if he wins and all y'all, uh, the Gen Pop, have just been going, oh, Whit Whitaker fucking not as good as we thought, and Whitaker uh, injured and time off, and that's going to take that's gonna take away from Israel Adesanya, who, if he wins, it'll be because of his fucking skill. Same skill y'all been y'all see. Y'all no different than me. I'm no different from you. But I don't know why we, we can't come to agreement on that. So I just think it's really fucking silly. We're also going to doubt the guy who not just fought Yoel Romero twice, but with one hand, with one leg another time. Like, really? Really? This is MMA. Now, again, Izzy's here to stay. He is not going to be a tourist in the annals of MMA. But come on, how many, how many kickboxers have we seen knocked out in MMA? How many times? Is, is, would it really be that much of a shock? You know, so again... Just God forbid, people, you have some healthy skepticism and respect for the other side. God bless you. Good luck on your bets. Take your sides. Have fun. Even talk shit with your friends. I'm not saying, not telling you what to do. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it because there's not. But God forbid we give a little credit to the other side because it actually makes your guy, or this is kind of parlayable in life, makes, makes you look good in the end as well. Makes your points look good. Just saying. Just saying. My pick's Robert Whitaker. By decision. All right. Sorry, the long breakdown there. Uh, we'll go faster through these ones. We'll, we'll blow through it. Uh, Dan Hooker. Hooker. Yeah. Lot six. Six. Hooker. Yeah. Number six. Not six. Is he headed to the fucking gutter? Against Ally Quinta. Hey, Ally Quinta. Fuck it. Hey, come on. I love fucking unfiltered now it's like matt sarah is like i'm pretty sure matt sarah is just stoned for every episode and they actually jimmy norton and uh them the guys they actually busted him for that uh again listen to that show for interviews and uh, it was just really funny to uh kind of hear matt sarah slowly become a, a, a slowly become a pothead before our eyes come to the dark side matt we welcome you <laughs> um but uh yeah no it's it's uh it, it, it's hard not to like Sarah Longo and uh, 
and those guys there, I like Quinta. And so I hate picking against him, man. I really like Allen. And then after interviewing, that, that goddamn bias that I get, we all get. We all just got to admit it when you, get, you interview fighters and you see them a couple times. And Iaquinta was already, and Jay, Jay Iaquinta, Jay Iaquinta, Jay was all tight with the uh, junkie radio guys. But, um, but yeah, he, uh, uh, yeah, they, they're just great guys, man. But I'm picking against them here. I'm going with Dan Hooker, you know, because I had a feeling that if my bias was swaying me, and I even said it in the breakdown, it's probably going to be eating kicks up the center. Although Cerrone's jab was really on point that night as as well, but but he was going to be eating knees up the center because Al was right in that five five nine to five ten range, and if you're south of five eleven, you're eating. Seems like that's the eight. That's that's the height cutoff because the guys that are five eleven, like Masvidal or Ayuda, uh, what else was it? I can't keep track with how many times Cerrone fights anymore. Did he just fight? Did he fight? Yeah, he just fought Gaethje. That's right. Uh, Gaethje was five eleven. Uh, so that seems to be the uh, height. The height. Uh, the height doer there, and then Huka. Is well above that. He's got some devastating knees. He can fight from both stances. He's not gonna. He's gonna be at a wrestling and grappling disadvantage. Obviously, Iquinto will have the on paper advantage there. I'm just not sure it'll be enough to a get the finish, and b. I'm not sure if he's gonna will fight enough against type to just go pressuring takedowns the whole time, especially because Dan Hooker's best counter wrestling and grappling move is a sick guillotine that his arms will really parlay nicely for, you know? So I think Iaquinta can at least get one round. But if Dan Hooker gets going, it's going to be a hard fight, especially if Al kind of, you know, he kind of can have slow starts, and that that's not good against Hooker. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go Hooker by decision. All right, tied to Vasa, minus 380. Sergey Spivak, plus 315. This, this line is ridiculous. Oh, this is on my fights to avoid list. I'm picking to Vasa. Easy pick. He definitely needs to get back on track. He should stylistically, and my heart's with him, because even though I pick against him more than most, um, that doesn't mean I don't like the guy, folks. I like Tai Tuivasa in the shoeies, but watching Sergey Spivak... Getting that Walt Harris loss out of my head and actually just going back to watch him again was good because I'm like, oh, yeah, like this guy could uh, do some things. Like, he looks a bit uh, on Team Spectrum. And, and you wonder why you're not getting <laughs> Team Spectrum. <laughs> but, um, and, you know, he, he, when he, but when he can bully guys, he can, you know, he does really well. Um, by the way, he fought someone named Ivo Cuck. And he, uh, I put in my notes here, treated him like one. Oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, and the uh, Indian kid in Kiev. Yeah, one of his fights, uh, I think it was his Tony Lopez fight, I tweeted this. Like, there's this, like, Indian kid. In a or not Indian kid. It's, it's a Ukrainian kid, but he's, like, a nine-year-old boy, but he's wearing an Indian headdress, like, with the feathers. And he is just, like, on a couch, like, cage side, like, going, like, just screaming and chanting for violence. Like, he's goddamn Robin Aaron from fucking Game of Thrones. Like, it was ridiculous. Uh, watching some old Sergei Spivak. Ah, the joys of watching the, especially the Eastern European MMA scene. Um, that in Japan. Oh, those Japanese. Um, but yeah, uh, Spivak's live because you know if 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 you know he's six three, he's pretty big himself. And even though he doesn't have any guillotine finishes, 
I noticed that uh, he'll use a front headlock and snap down and go to the back, and he kind of like uses that snap down a lot, and that's problematic because that's something that I saw uh, Tuivasa getting abused on, even in his last fight, which, you know, uh, Blagoy Ivanov isn't really, you know, he'll use the snap, but he doesn't really build off it too much, but even in the post-fight, Blagoy was like, he, f he said he felt uh, off of that, because off of that, he felt like he could submit him and get him out of there with the way he could just manipulate him, and I don't blame him. Uh, you know, and, uh, if I, I just can't help but seeing that folks, plus just swinging hard and stupid things happen and it's heavyweight, like I'm picking to Ivasa, but if that line just starts inflating even more to like three and a half plus three and a half come fight day, I may just sprinkle on Sergey, but it's on my fights to avoid list. All right. Uh, Diego Lima is your favorite. Deservingly. So minus minus one forty-five. happy to see him doing well. But he's going against Luke, the Jedi Jumao. He's a guy I've always had a soft spot for. Kind of a hard guy to bet on. Not the most volume, but he's just tough as nails. He's kind of like a New Zealand Brian Barbarina, you know, if you will. Uh, except without the volume. Uh, forward volume, because he likes to counter with right hands. But his right hand's like a brick. He's got, like, KO power. So, like, he differs from Brian Barbera in a lot of ways there, but maybe it's just his toughness and uh, moppy-like hair. And I say that with love because, you know, I love both those guys. Um, he's done well for me, especially as a dog. Didn't do well against Anzai. Kind of had a tough fight, but then came back strong. Uh, but just was just giving up the takedowns. Um, but, he, you know, he shows he can get back up. It's been a, a year, so it's hard to know where he's at. This is kind of more of just a flyer, but I I, I threw a unit on I didn't throw a flyer on him, but I, at least for me anyways, I threw a unit uh, plus 125 uh, on Jumo. I don't like a lot on this card, but uh, I think he knocks Diego Lima out. Didn't want to lay the prop on there because in case he hurts him and is able to just kind of dictate that way. Um, Diego Lima, is, he's much more experienced, but if you really look at who he's actually beat, and uh, how, how those style matchups were set up and how they went, then this fight is is very close. Um, and you're going to put the plus money on the, the durable guy, the super durable guy, uh, who fights like a dog, who won't get discouraged and comes can come back strong. Uh, and uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think Diego Lima can submit him, but I, I do worry about the wrestling, you know, Diego Lima... I've been training cross-training an American top team, though. Kind of in preparation for the travel. He seemed to go to Phuket for this one. Which is strange, because I, I don't know if it's the same gym, but Luke Juma also trained in Phuket for a minute, too. So, you know, I don't know if there's crossover there. Either way, I took a shot on Jumo. All right, next fight, Jake Matthews, minus 370, versus Rostam Achman, who is just the hairiest mother... Who, like, when he goes to the Harley-Davidson, like, section, if they were to just try to comb him out, like, they would probably snap, snap, like, three or four combs on his back hair. Like, it's intense. Fucking Paul Felder in his last fight, he's like, I just love it because you can tell Paul just kind of had, like, a, a shit-eating grin on his face. was trying to hold it back, but I think it's, like, a round and a half in, and Paul's like, I'm sorry, guys, I can't take it anymore, but uh wonder how much uh, condos go. He's like, I wonder how much... uh Hair is going to be on his gum shield. <laughs> oh, poor guy. Fucking not going north, south, and the ladies with that. All right, Dan, come on. It's the Protect Your Neck podcast. You've, not the uh, juvenile delinquent podcast. I'm sorry, folks. Um, 
Akhman actually really impressed me, and I thought he won the fight. Like, I had to go. I even like I, I was like, oh, he lost his fight, and I go watch it, and I go, oh, I scored it for him, and I go, oh, he won the fight, and I just didn't realize he didn't get his hand raised, and I went back to the record. And I'm like, he lost that fight. I mean, it was it wasn't a bad score by any means, you know. It was a close fight, obviously, but I don't know. I actually was, was impressed with Akhman and the loss. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Pressure boxing hits hard, and it's hard to trust Jake Matthews, you know. Um, the loss to Holbrook stands out, though. I, I did think that was a deceptively tough matchup, and I actually do. Pretty, I'm pretty sure you can go back on mixedmartialanalysts.com and see that I pick Holbrook there. Um, but yeah, you know, he just another kind of like Jack Hermanson. Like he could just, if he doesn't like what he sees, he can just get kind of turned off. But then he'll kind of have these other fights where he's just supercharged, going against guys who are really good, like Li Jing Lang. Although I think Li Jing Lang, that wasn't as good of a version of him. A, and even for that version of him, he was fighting poorly B because I think just Lee got rocked early and uh, just kind of got went into that mode you often see fighters do where they're just, I'm just going to go forward. And it just makes it worse for them. It was like a panic, like, like you know, putting someone behind the wheel that doesn't drive or is an experienced driver, very inexperienced or new driver, or put them in behind the controller of a driving video game. And what do they often do when they panic? They gas it, right? Like when they're not supposed to, they hit some shit when they're not supposed to. And that's what it felt like for Lee Jing Lang in that fight, which is one of more <clears throat> Jake Matthews. Jake Matthews. Matthews. Uh, more impressive uh, performances there. Um, and then he, you know, beats Shinso Ansai, which he just looked, you know, Ansai looks like a lightweight. And uh, Matthews used to fight a lightweight, but. He's just giant, and that was compared there. And I think the styles kind of worked out for him, fell right in that front headlock choke and put him out, but then he gets put out in his other one against uh, Tony Martin there. Um, so it's tough. He should beat him here, but Rossum Achman can, can wrestle as well, so that kind of gives me pause. Like, what if he has a hard time getting the takedown? Uh, once he's there, I trust Jake Matthews to either win the round or submit him or finish him. But getting him there, I believe, is going to be a lot tougher, especially that first round where he's super scrambly. I mean, Akhman was able to put on a pace for three rounds, and he came in uh, short notice last time. So, I mean, that's that cannot be uh, that cannot be overlooked there. Um, but what also kind of sells me more on the Matthews pick, and I actually put him in a fun little parlay because you can't make him any more than fun because parlays are fucking madman to even do in this sport. Stupid. I say it every time. But I'm also honest and I'm also a degenerate like you fucks. <laughs> I say that endearingly. Uh, sorry, folks, it's getting late. Um, so I, I'm honest with you, in other words, at least, you know, for all my faults. For all my faults. Uh, but uh, it, the, what it also sold me was uh, Rastin Achman. He doesn't have the chin, which disturbs me for being a pressure fighter. You really got to be super durable. And uh, I've seen him rocked in regionals, and just he was getting rocked. And some of them was like, is he off balance? And, yeah, I, I don't like that. For what Jake Matthews, all his faults, he swings hard and he swings heavy. So that might not necessarily hurt him. He actually might rock him on the feet and kind of do a similar to Shinso Ansai. Um, make Akman go to wrestling and uh, choke him out. Um I may or may not sprinkle uh, Matthews inside the distance there, but Matthews is part of a little three-piece. 
And hopefully I'll get the soda at the end of the night. We'll see. But I'll let you know what that is. I tell you what I did though, do because uh, Akmon swings hard. Um, I did sprinkle a quarter unit at plus 630 on inside the distance because that is the only way I see him winning. Although he has the pace and the volume to win two rounds if he really off-puts Matthews, I feel like Matthews can still be... I don't, I'm not sure he can finish Matthews uh, unless he does and that hits, you know, but uh, as far as the decision win goes, I'm not sure he can finish Matthews. And in Australia, um, it's going to be hard to win some cards on him, I think. Uh, so... I think that's like a, a possible hedge, and I don't do that often, but just to buy myself out of that, that fun parlay uh, in case, you know, it spoils. And my other prop is actually in the same spirit, but it doesn't go against a pick and is a more serious one you can just play straight up. Um, but for me, it also serves as a dual spot there as well, if that makes sense. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, on the avoid list as well. Next fight, Justin Toff, minus 125. Jorgen DeCastro, come back on him, plus 105. This is what the line's been at for this week. I'm not sure what it opened at. It may have opened the other way around. I wouldn't be surprised if it was. Jorgen's the more proven and experienced fighter in a, on paper, but off paper it's different. Toffa is a part of uh, four fighting brothers. They all fight. The youngest is just getting into it. The oldest... I don't know how really committed he was. The more popular one, obviously, Junior Taffa, who has fought in glory. Most of you might know him from there. This is Justin Taffa. Um, I went back and forth in this fight so much that uh, I forget who someone in our internal, internal picks, Junkie, switched it. And I'm like, oh, they switched to Taffa, huh? And I'm like, hmm, I should have switched to Taffa. I'm like, wait, who did I pick? <laughs> Because, uh, again, I'm confused. I went back and forth so much, and I looked, and I'm like, oh, I guess I picked Taffa. And I'm not super confident in it because, uh, again, Jorgen, he's got amateur experience as well. He's got Muay Thai experience, albeit not that deep. Um, good kickboxer. He'll go and take fights to the ground. We haven't really seen, or at least I haven't, because I, I haven't seen... I think there's an amateur fight, and then I haven't seen Tafa's last fight, which is really troubling. So I don't know if like he was over on his back, or what was going on, or how he how he looked, what he reacted like, etc. But both guys, even Tafa himself, they'll go to like body locks against the fage and fence and drag the other guy down, and are somewhat competent from there. Nick Jorgen looks like he might be more well-rounded, but Tafa, dude, he'll use his Samoan squat and just excuse me, wake up. And just sit on dudes and pound away for that finish. But I have a feeling both will be fish out of waters if they're on bottom. Um, dude, it's a pain in the butt to try to go back and watch the uh, some of these fights. Um, but I was at the Jorgen DeCastro fight with against Alton Meeks. Wrote that fight up, so watched it multiple times as well. And yeah, man, I like Jorgen's game. He's committed to it. He's He's got the chin to do so. Um... You know, uh, even I think his TKO loss was more, I believe, a ground and pound stoppage. I believe memory serves. But um, you know, he's, he's got a, he's got a good chin. But if I'm gonna go if, go look at it, I'm gonna go with the Islander chin, uh, especially that Samo Samoan Samoan the Samoan chin, the Maori chin uh, of a fighting family there, and Justin Tafa, and he's a southpaw, which I like. 
Although um, one of his regional fights, uh, granted the guy didn't look that great or whatever, he kind of looked like a taller, cracked out version of UL Romero's manager. Uh, Jorgen DeCastro's opponent, regional opponent did. Yeah, but he was a southpaw. And uh, Jorgen, dude, I see him do it in his pad drills too. Like Jorgen's so good with the leg kicks. Like he kicks across the thighs, which I love. I could never find the placement to do that outside of drilling. Like I just sucked at that one. As I really admire that. And he'll even kick at that back leg. So he's actually kicking from the far leg. He's using rear, his rear leg to kick their rear thigh. And he fucking angles and does it so well. Um, so he really makes use of being a small heavyweight, man. And I really... Part of me really roots for this guy, too, as well. So it's just, it's it's tough. But I'm going to go with the warrior contingent there in the Tafas um, to come strong. Uh, he had a good training camp, trained with uh, some people, I believe, that been training for this camp. Uh, can't think too, too well right now. But it's on the avoids list. So um, uh, that said, if Tafa goes down to plus money or maybe some earlier plays hit, then I may sprinkle on him for funds because it's a lower playable line straight up. He beat me straight up. Pay him. Pay that man his money. Uh, either way, I'll probably be paying some money knowing my luck. So jump off the cliff at your own risk. I'd never ask you to follow me. Next fight, Maki Pitolo, minus 345. Come back on. Kellen Porter, right. Kellen Porter, right. And then, that's not Australian. Um, by the way, coconut bombs. Kind of like I said in a... Kind of like I said in um, uh, my write-up, uh, Coconut Bomb sounds like something that should be painted on, like on, a, on a World War II-era bomber plane, or it should be like a killer weed strain, right? Um, yeah, sorry, I don't have much, I don't know much from that. My pick is Coconut Bombs. <laughs> no. Uh, Callum Potter um, is tough, man. Uh, this is good on him to get to the UFC. He's one of those regional guys really... Kind of would always kind of lose the bigger fights to those bigger names and, and came just short getting the regional scene. Um, got there, short notice, gave him to Jalen Turner. Mr. Turner, the tarantula. And phew, that was an ugly KO. Ooh, man. Potter's back, though. Guess who's back? Potter's back. Um, but the problem is, uh, even though he's, he's like willing to pull guards to see bottom like we saw, in that fight and even others, I don't think he's going to have the wrestling to get him down or control that. Uh, Patolo can actually wrestle. He's like a uh, uh, Maderos or other guys who kind of deceptively have some wrestling experience and can wrestle there. Um, and, of course, he throws the coconut bombs on the feet. And he throws the bombs to the body, which I love. Uh, shouts to Brennan Fitz for coconut bombs to the body. And I think uh, he's going to do the same to Callum Potter here. Potter's going to be looking to grab up high for overhooks to pull guard. He's going to be opening up his body when uh, he doesn't have the room to jump back because, uh, you know, Patolo will just push him to the fence to close that space, throw his forehead right under his chin, and then start going left to right like a goddamn pendulum. Um, so, uh, and both guys are very do or die. A lot of first-round finishes on both sides, mainly Callum Potter, mainly the first-round losses. And I'm picking him to lose here, so it's probably going to happen then because I'm picking it by knockout. Um, Patolo looks focused, mean. He's coming down to back down to welterweight. He's always fought at, like, catchweights or middleweight, uh, for, even though he has fought at welterweight before. But he's just bounced because he never really took it seriously. But now with the big money on the line, the big show, he's motivated. You can tell he's motivated. I liked what I heard in interviews. 
Potter, you know, he's training uh, over there with uh, my favorites, man, Judo Dan and the Dad's Army, but I don't know, man. I I, I don't know. Um, I, I think he I think he gets knocked out here by uh, Maki Patolo. So uh, Maki Patolo is actually uh, a second second leg of that uh, three part parlay with uh, Matthews and. The prop to kind of hedge that, which is one to place. It's super degenerate, but you can play it straight up if you want. Uh, it's even money. Uh, Potter Patolo won't start round two. I just took a shot on that at a point point seven five to either of those hit. Will actually actually will buy out uh, more than buy out. If even just one hits, it'll more than buy out. Uh, what you call it? The parlay, and because if. Um, and, and the, the, the Potter Patolo could hit and still not affect the parlay if Maki is the one finishing. But if he is, if he isn't, and he falls into something you know opportunistic and dumb, that one kind of covers that. And I'll give you the third one here in a second. Um, everything else is super juiced, even like round one, Tikio inside all that shit. All right, next fight, uh, not on the avoid list, but it's super juiced, and with the biggest favorites losing, it's like it makes you want to stay away. Although this one's tailor made for Megan Anderson at minus five twenty-five versus Zara Farron dos Santos, uh, comeback plus four fifteen. Watch some of her fights; she just looks like um, she looks like a more measured Priscilla Cachoeira at featherweight, which doesn't say say much. <laughs> And she seemingly hits, like, less harder. And it's just more, like, kind of ugly volume. But, like, she has, like, the right idea. She's like, okay, I'm going to sprawl, punch, and make him pay. Like, she has the right process in her mind, but just the execution is very just sloppy, and there's not a lot of presence there. So, uh, she, there's no, I don't think there's any worry about Megan Anderson getting taken down or being in trouble on the ground here. So she should take this. I think she gets it done inside the distance, but I'm surprised the lines are so juiced that way. Uh, I wouldn't kind of know where to place my money or to take an angle there. Um, I'm honestly just staying away from the fight, so maybe I'm the wrong person to ask. I am not enthused about the fight. Enthused about Megan, Megan Anderson, but that's for another that's for another time. Dan, that's Willie's time. <laughs> Jesus, Dan. Dan, you wonder why you're single. All right. Brad Riddle, minus 170 versus James Malarkey. You cut that Malarkey out. Dave Chappelle's uh, white man impression. Love it, right? <laughs> you cut that malarkey out there. Uh, malarkey, come back on him is plus 150. Um, I was like, Malarkey's lost once in 2016. No, that was just on SureDog. I uh, actually went back to watch some of those fights that were set on Tapology. He's had four since then, I believe, wins off the top of my head. Oh, yeah, he can hit. And he's, he's strong. Uh, he's... Sensible. He's he's been training at the same gym for a while, that Magnus gym, and now since uh, Ross Pearson made a more permanent move back to the Gold Coast in Australia, he's been training a lot with Ross Pearson, which doesn't hurt. Doing a lot of the inside kicks and feints and trying to set up the overhands and hooks like Ross, but uh, nothing like him. Uh, not being a dick or anything. Uh, he just he's missing athleticism. Not saying Ross had athleticism. Moving off that comparison, if I was even comparing him, which I really wasn't. Uh, I'm just saying the athleticism may be the difference to the man at hand, which is Brad Riddle. Brad Riddle, very athletic. Uh, Claim Striker was reading about him, but when I watched, I wasn't too impressed. Although, in reading about him, he even was kind of by his own, or reading, or reading an interview, I should say, he was by his own admission 
a little more raw and kind of getting more just through on his his power and will there. Um, and that's what it looked like. Uh, you know, he's doing stuff like the duchy and going to the body and doing feints. And so it's not like he's not doing things that are fun, technical at a base level. But it wasn't until he meets, I'm not sure what year it is, 2017, 2016, I forget. It was like his round of his rematch with John Way Parr. Just crazy. I didn't realize this guy fought and knocked out John Way Parr, and he's doing it as an orthodox fighter with like a left hook. And you start seeing him fight Southpaw later, and even in his like pad work and stuff online and videos online, he's in Southpaw. And I think that around marks when he met up with Eugene Behrman, who really kind of changed his game. Uh, you're hearing his name a lot, a lot of interviews. I still got to catch up on some interviews. I know Pete C. Carroll did one over at Fighting. I got to check out. Um, but yeah, Eugene Behrman, um, you know, just seems to be a smart guy. I mean, if he's doing this stuff without Asanya and Hooker. Uh, don't know. We never interviewed him, uh, but very in admiration of what he's been able to do, obviously. And <clears throat> uh, Riddle uh, credits him. Riddle, uh, yeah, Riddle, Riddle credits him a lot for that uh, that change, and you can see it. Um, he seems to embrace stuff. He wants to earn. A, he cites that he wants to earn a black belt in martial arts. He also wants to return to Muay Thai and kind of avenge some of his losses. So this guy's not short of motivation. Um, but you got to be careful with hype. I guess people are. I kind of thought the line might go up because he's one of the more playable lines, and there's a lot of hype coming in on him, but maybe it could be dangerous. James wants to cut that malarkey out and uh, kind of uh, rain on the parade, but I really wasn't sold from the interview or the footage. I think Brad Riddles should be able to style on him for three rounds. I got him by decision. Um, I may play him, too, if the line comes down or you know something earlier hits. V, we'll see. Did I skip over? No, I did not. It's next. Uh, we have G Yon Kim, who's minus 175, or Natty, Nadia Kassim. Kassim. Come back on Kassim. It's plus 155. Uh, I actually came in leaning toward Kim because, you know, she's just really strong, comes forward with volume, to, doesn't really get discouraged, you know, borderline team spectrum. Dan, I'm sorry, I'm trying to use the R word. Uh, but, uh, you know, she's just very, you know, you know, Jesus, damn, come on, stop it. Uh, but I actually leaned toward, uh, was swayed by the easy Dan. Not no, that's not what I'm talking about before. Southpaw, I know much more predictable and sad, but the Southpaw styling is a castle and what she was being able to put together. Uh, she gets hit less in the statistics by a whole strike per minute. Uh, but, uh, she, she she no, she does get hit less, and you can see why her defense isn't great. But you know, she was getting hit by Delarosa a lot with the right hand. Uh, even Astro Girl was hitting her with some shit she probably shouldn't have been hitting her with. But um, she, her, 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 along with the South Boss dialings comes better movement, and at least that layer of defense she has much better, and that translates to what I see to also what is translated in statistics on paper. Um, and Kim does not really go for takedowns or submissions. She did a bit in the regional scenes, but they were very ugly. And uh, Kasim, you know, seems to know how to use the fence to get back up, unlike the girls. Uh, Kim was able to get on, to, like, fall on top of for those RNCs. Uh, so I'm actually going to go with Kasim here, but, you know, who knows? Maybe I might sprinkle D-Gen, but honestly, no. It, it's a... Wow, why'd I put it on my avoid list? Um, maybe avoid for taking a side. I guess that's why, because it's... Because the over at a minus four twenty, I just I think it's gonna go over. Neither are gonna finish each other in the feet. Neither are gonna submit each other. 
Minus 420 is, is chalky, but it's sadly appropriate. So you tack it on to minus 345 range and minus 365 range, Matthews and Maki. Uh, you get plus 100. Uh, I put one unit on that, so that's Pitola minus 345. Oh, sorry, Matthews minus 370. Kim Kasim over 2.5 at minus 420. Those three together, my, I, I put a unit on uh, plus 100. That's my fun parlay, and the props to kind of hedge that was uh, Porter Patolo. Won't start round two. Uh, and Ackman inside the distance. If one of those hits, I'm covered. All right. Um, last but not least, Khalid Taha knocked out a boy Boston Salmon. No! Uh, at minus 240 and Bruno Silva plus 200. I'm like, oh, is this Correa? Is this Bruno Correa? No, it's some other guy from Ultimate Fighter Brazil who's been dusted off. Um, I don't have my Flow Combat account any anymore, so I wasn't able to see his most recent fight. But um, from what I was able to see, uh, I wasn't that impressed. He's athletic, but... Uh, I don't know if he's any more athletic than Taha is. They're both kind of deceptively athletic, but I see Taha taking the decision. Um, I don't see Bruno Silva being big enough or a relentless wrestler enough. Again, a guy fights at 125 most of his career, whereas Clid Taha, you know, is actually doing pretty well considering uh, the stylist and size of Nandir Amani uh, on him, right? That guy was just jacked. And a good size, 145. And Taha, short notice, UFC debut up a weight class. Um, it still knew what to do to stay safe, get back up when he could, use the fence when he could. So I don't think any of Silva's jiu-jitsu comes into play. And on that feed, that boxing, I think it's going to uh, bode well for him. Um, I probably should... Man. Maybe I should have put Taha on one. I don't know. I'm not too confident. Who knows? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe that, you know, I don't know. That's my pick there. All right, folks, recapping the picks from the top. Get the fuck out of here. Sorry it was a long one with the Israel Adesanya Robert Whitaker, but I'm reluctantly taking Robert Whitaker. I still haven't picked against him once in his middleweight uh, run as underdog. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not doing it here, albeit not confidently. Taking Dan Hooker over Ally Quinta. Taking... Taitu Ivasa over Sergey Spivak, although beware. Taking Luke the Gerard Juma over Diego Lima. Taking Jake Matthews over Rostam, the hairy man Achman. Achman. Achman is what Achman is what the ladies sound like when when we make love because of the hair. Achman. Come on, man. Achman. <laughs> Sorry, that is a bad joke. All right, uh, taking. Justin Taffa over Jorgen DeCastro taking Maki Pitolo Coconut Bombs over Kellen Porter Roy. Taking Megan Anderson over Zara Fern Dos Santos. Taking Brad Riddle over James Malarkey. Taking Nadia Kasm over G. Eon Kim. Taking Khalid Taha over Bruno Silva. Parlay pieces, I took uh, Maki, took a little bit of Maki Patolo, Matthews, and the Kasim over, plus 100 at one unit. Straight plays, play Jumo, plus 125, one unit. May throw some on my boy Whitaker since he's plus money, but again, I'm, I'm not feeling great about it. Um, but uh, I haven't yet, I don't know if I will, just, just being honest with you. 
Props, Porter Patolo won't start round two. Even money, 0.75. Akman inside the distance, plus 630.25. Avoid Kim Kassim as far as the side. I know I took the over there, folks. Sorry. Pot calling the kettle black. Tafa DeCastro, heavyweights, and again, heavyweights. Tui Vasa versus Spivak, who is more lively than the line indicates, I think. All right, thanks for the, some five-star ratings and reviews. We got some new ones. I will read those off next time with the questions next time. We got to figure out a, a good way to do it because I'm I'm adjusting emails. Like, if I do it on Twitter, does that mean I have to do it on Facebook or on Instagram as well? Like, I hate Instagram. I'm not sure how to do it, but I, I definitely want to get to some questions that are sitting in the bin. Read your reviews on the show. Thank you for, for the five-star ratings and reviews. We will be coming to other platforms soon. The Amazon click-through is not... Uh, working, or I don't have the right one up yet. I have to update it. But the Onnit click through works just fine if you like Onnit products. I love Onnit. I love their uh, protein bites. I'm really hooked on right now. And um, also uh, got a recent donation. Uh, this person requested me on uh, anonymous, but there is a PayPal. Uh, thank you for that though. Uh, f five bucks is way more than I could even ask for. I don't. I don't ask for any. That's the reason why I brought it up on one. I can count on one hand out of what is now 150 episodes. It's a service. It's a free service. I intend to keep it that way. But if you want to show love and help go toward the studio and other things I got going cooking over here, uh, feel free, man. Feel free. I, I will have receipts for these in a literal sense. Things are coming. So thank you guys for listening good luck this weekend uh good luck with your picks and plays tell your friends and family you love them which is more important and always protect your next